tonight is just um, share with you all some things that the Lord's been showing me these, this past month and especially for the last two weeks or so. And it kind of came to a head after I had a conversation with a friend of mine. And so that's what I'd like to do tonight, just to share some stuff that God has spoke to me and shared with and has revealed it to me. Um, as I said, I had a conversation with a friend. You know, when you talk to your friends, you each tell people, you tell them your fears, you'll tell them your concerns, you'll tell them your worries, you'll talk to them about your kids, uh, grandkids, or the dream of one day maybe having kids or having a family of your own. You know, and, and I'm grateful that we have people like that in our lives because more often than not, when we're in a rut or we're in one of those between a rock and a hard place, God sets the stage for that friend to speak into your life. And at this particular point, I was conveying things that I was concerned about or things that, I'll just be honest, things I was just flat out worried about, scared about for no good reason, but they were there. And I was dealing with them. And uh, this person looked at, me, looked at me and said, she said, you're being lied to. She said, this person said, you've got to stop letting the enemy torment you so much. Quit believing the lies of the enemy. That was a lot to think on. That was a lot to chew on. And I thought about it. And that was just part of the conversation. And I'll come back to the second part later. But that first part got me to thinking. I'm like, I'm losing sleep. I don't like my own self. I'm, like my mom used to say, I'm, I'm so ill, I can't stand myself. I never understood that till you get in those situations. Like, yeah, you know what? And I can't escape me. I'm stuck. So I'm like, God, what in the world? I'm like, if this is affecting this part, I just wonder medically, what can this do to a person's body? Okay, I'm no doctor. I'm no nurse. So I went to every medical website that I could find. And just to see if your thoughts could hinder you, could, could cause any kind of thing go wrong with your body. And it can. I just didn't realize how much so until here lately. But the study that I was reading um, said that it um, got to a part with some medical students where they would go in and go into the hospitals and do their training and do all this and study for all these hard exams they would have to take and learn about every disease that you could think of and how each nerve is connected to this and your body does what it's designed to do. And um, this particular doctor that wrote this article said while she was in med school, while she was training, I guess she'd been learning about heart diseases and things that could go on with your heart. And she said before she knew it, they were on the ICU unit, they were making the rounds, and before she knew it, her heart felt like it was just going to just leap out of her chest. They checked it. Her heartbeat was like over 200-something, so they hooked her up to an EKG machine. And at that point, they diagnosed her with supraventricular tachycardia. And she said for a good long time, she dealt with bad heart palpitations. She said for years before she realized something. And one day she was talking to some of the doctors and nurses, I guess, that train the ones that are coming in. And they just kind of smirked about it. And they said, one day y'all realize this stuff you're studying about is affecting your habit, is affecting your body. 
And she said, we have a word for it. We call it med-student-itis because every so often, y'all come through here, and somebody more often than not is going to get that labeling of a certain disease that they're studying about. And I'm like, I'm not even in that. And I have, and, and my body's affecting me like crazy. So I was like, okay. So I just kept on reading. And they did a study between, between Chinese-American men and white American men. They did a study on it just to see who would live longer. And based on one belief system, the, the white men outlived the Chinese-American men by about five years, not because of anything in, that one person had done or that one person was more sickly than the other. It was the research showed that it was all in how they thought. Because further study indicated that certain men thought, okay, because the stars aligned a certain way, I'm not going to live past this date. I'm going to die. Or nobody in my family lived this long, so I'm going to die. So the study revealed that, XMA, that certain people outlived certain people just because of how they thought. Medically, nothing was wrong with them. No history of anything. But it's what they decided to think on, what they decided to get in their brain, and what they obsessed upon dictated what would happen to them. And I'm like, you know what? I can't, I, I, I'm, I'm, I can't live like that. This med student, she went on to say, she said, focusing your attentions on illnesses has been scientifically proven to predispose the body to illness. She went on to say, excessive knowledge about what can go wrong with the body can harm you. The more you focus on the infinite ways in which your body can break down, the more likely you are to experience physical symptoms. And then she said, change your thoughts. Change your health. Every time you think something negative, it affects your body. Especially what we fear tends to manifest, manifest itself because negative beliefs will fill our bodies with harmful um, cortisol and, I'm going to try to say this right, epinephrine. While positive beliefs relax our nervous system and allows our body to heal. I was like, okay, Lord, you got my attention. I'm like, I probably got enough cortisol floating around in my body right now that ain't even funny. I'm like, I got aches I can't explain. I'm like, something's got to give. And, um, and going back to that conversation that I had, they, they told me, they said, you need to look this up. Go find this scripture. And you need to cast down and get rid of what God never intended to set up in your mind to begin with and what don't belong, you've got to get rid of it. I said, okay. I go home and I look up that scripture in the NIV version. I didn't like the way, I mean, it was nothing wrong with it, mind you, but, and I'm an NIV reader, but I liked it better in the King James Version. So I went and I looked it up in the King James Version in 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 10, verses, 10 <laughs> verses 3 through 5 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
I was like, and then two things popped into my head. I was like, okay, I want to know what the definition for stronghold is, and I want to know what the Greek meaning of the word imagination is. I want to know where that came from. So I went and I hunted it up. The stronghold is simple. It's a place that has been fortified. You look at fortified city, my mind goes to Jericho, how the way it was built, where they said it was impenetrable. God just let it all collapse. There's nothing too big for God to do. And I was like, okay. But then imaginations. The word imagination is, are ta- is taking from the Greek word logismos, which is where we get the word logic as in logical thinking. And I'm grateful that I have, we have a sound mind, that we're able to think and reason. But even that, we need to bring it under submission to the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Because I've learned here lately that it doesn't take much for the enemy to plant a lie in our mind. It doesn't take much at all. And then before you know it, it's full grown and you're up nights walking the floor over something God never intended you to give a second thought to to begin with. But the enemy's got a barrier erected there. So I said, okay. So then I got to searching, researching strongholds. And I found this article that this um, individual had posted on a Christian website after he had linked it to 2 Corinthians 10, he said he believes there's two types of strongholds that we have to contend with. One of them being a rational stronghold, stuff that in our minds can make sense that we could deal with. Whether it be, oh, this person doesn't like me, or maybe I'm just not good enough, this person could do it so much better than I could. Why not let them do it? And then there's a second one, irrational strongholds. And he went on to say, mainly this has to do with completely unrealistic fears and worries that more than likely will never, ever come true. And he listed some of those, contracting terminal illnesses, dying young, or an advert, or just thinking you're just really rejected, that nobody absolutely likes you, and you've taken that to the extreme. And they said, and after a while, he said, that stuff will run its course, and it will dissipate, and you should be good. And I was like, yeah, I don't agree with you there. Sometimes that stuff don't dissipate quite so often. It builds and it builds and it really affects you because you can't function because you're always worried about what's going on in your head. Well, what if this does happen? Well, what if it does? So I got to thinking, I'm like, I'm going to ask some people. Because I didn't just want my opinion here. I wanted to know what other people, people that were older than me, people that have walked this Christian walk a lot longer than I have, I wanted to know what they thought of irrational strongholds. Give me an example or an irrational stronghold. Give me an example. I got some to say, okay, well, that's a hard question. You just brought up out of nowhere. And then some of them say, well, maybe people don't think that they can go and continue their education because they're too old. She said, I would say that would be irrational because nobody's never too old to go back to school. And I said, okay. Well, I only got around to about three people because the last person I asked about that told me this, and it absolutely, it just shocked me. It floored me. I was speechless. She said to me, she said, I don't allow negative stuff or people around me for very long because that stuff is bound to rub off. She said, I don't allow the enemy to set up that stuff in my mind 
because Jesus never intended for me to live a life of fear and worry. So I don't. She said, I choose joy. I choose peace. I choose Jesus. And I couldn't say anything. I remember walking, around, walking off. I had tears in my eyes. I'm like, God, okay, how can I get what she has? To where no matter what the doctor may tell you or your employer may tell you or someone who you thought was your best friend may tell you, how can I still live a life like that where I just have joy? And you could see it. It was almost tan- it was in her eyes. It was in the way she was carried herself. And I was like, I want that. And then I remember something Joyce Meyer said on one of her podcasts. It was something to do with her book, The Battlefield of the Mind. And she made the remark. She said, you've got to change your stinking thinking. And you've got to think about what you're thinking about. And God said, you've got to let your mind be reprogrammed. Just like a computer. It gets a virus, they go in there, they clean it out. Sometimes they reprogram them, do what they need to do, but they get it out. And they reboot the whole system to get it to work properly. And I'm like, Okay, so we got to tear down strongholds. We got to cast out imaginations. Anything that exalts itself against God. And I'm like, these thoughts don't belong. So God, how do I get rid of them? And I'm like, God, I think on scriptures. I can, in my mind, I can quote scriptures about not fearing, about not worrying. And I felt the Holy Spirit just gently say to me, sometimes it's more than just meditating on my word. You've got to speak it back because you're under attack. You've got to speak that word out loud. You've got to tell Saint, you know what? I refuse from this day forward to believe any more of your lies. And God told me, he said, every time you do that, he said, you find something. You find a scripture. You find something else. He said, it's time to get different stuff in your arsenal. You find other scriptures that, and then speak this out to him. When this stuff comes at you. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to think about. I mean, yes, God's good, and I love Jesus with all my heart, and he is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. But I read an article that went on to say, you know what, every Christian has got those go-to scriptures that they can find, that they have. But sometimes we just got to do a little bit more. And God told me, he said, you know what, I'm he said, go to... He said, go to Philippians 4, 8, and 9. And this will show you what to think about. And it says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about 
such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Paul was a smart man. Paul understood the influence of one's thoughts on their life. Because what people allow to occupy our mind will sooner or later determine our speech and our action. Paul's exhortation to think about such things is followed by another exhortation. Put it into practice. In other words, we've got to practice what we preach. So, more often than not, more than I'd ever care to admit, I've been guilty of thinking whatever popped into my mind thinking that it'll be okay. And so much of that was lies from Satan's mouth. And then the rest of it was just flat out nonsense. That just attached itself to stuff I was already believing. And in one area of my life, the enemy had absolute control because he had absolute control of my thinking in that area. I let it overtake me to where I would let that dictate me to where I thought, yeah, this is it, yeah. And then that one conversation got me to thinking. It isn't so much me, but it's the one that lives in me that's great. And if he's for me, no one can be against me. That's how I got it in my head. One night sitting up on the bed, I was running through this stuff that I knew I had to get ready to come up here and do tonight. And I was like, you know what? It stops here. I refuse to lose sleep. I refuse to feel so down and so bad that I don't want to get out of bed because of a lie that the enemy perpetrated because he wants to stop the work that God wants to do. I said, I'm not going to do it anymore. So I went on the hunt for scriptures of a sound mind. Stuff that would lift God up and while doing that, giving me a peace of mind. And I'm learning the more I do that, the more that other stuff cannot reside. It has to go. Because Jesus and that stuff cannot be in the same company. It, it cannot belong. And I'm not going to... You've got to come to the point, you know what, Jesus, this is it. It's you and me, and the rest of it's got to go. Yes, stuff happens, and sometimes, unfortunately, stuff will happen to good people, good Christian people, stuff that you will never fathom. Sometimes it happens. You know, sometimes godly people, unfortunately, they die too young. You know, or a kid's parents that you never thought would happen, divorced. 
yeah, stuff happens. But God has showed me these past few weeks, whatever does happen, I can't control it. I can control how I react to it. I can control how I think about it. And the best way to do that is to be solely focused on the Word. I'll tell my kids a lot, my two kids and my kids out there in children's church, how important prayer is, how important the knowledge of the Bible is, how important it is to memorize Scripture, how important JBQ is because it gets those Scriptures in you. Because when the enemy attacks, that's what we have to, t- to attack back with. We have to know the Word of God. Romans 8:31 says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For the Spirit of God gave us... Okay, I completely just lost it. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and discipline. Then 1 John 4.4 4, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And then Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So God showed me here lately, the more we do that, or the more I do that, that struggle with what goes on in the mind, it changes. And eventually, if the Lord tarries, I can be like that sweet lady that says, you know what, that stuff just ain't allowed around me. Because I refuse to let that rub off. I refuse to live a life of worry and misery when God wanted me to live in joy and have an abundant life and have it to the full. And he wants that for all of us. That, that is what the Lord has been showing me these past few weeks. And um, just stuff that he's just dealt with me with. And I'm better now than what I was a few weeks ago. God's good, and and usually, I don't know, it, mm. Corey Ten Boom once said, there's no pit so deep that God's love's not deeper still. So whatever pit myself or anyone else may tend to find ourselves in from time to time, whether it be a pit of, I don't think I'm good enough, or of worry or fear or of rejection or, oh my gosh, what's going to happen now? God love goes deeper than all of that. 
We just can't lose sight of it. We can't allow the enemy to set up the strongholds. There's fortresses in our mind. We have to erect our own to where nothing that isn't of God can go in. Um, I want to thank you all for allowing me to share what the Lord's been showing me here lately.